Thank you, John, for that good reading. You know, this text is probably the most uh, understood, not understood, but but the most uh, recognized text other than John 3.16 in the New Testament. It's used often, and it's used by a great number of people uh, in what we call Christianity. Uh, but there are a couple of things involved in it that, that uh, I would like to call your attention to this morning, and maybe something that you've never thought of. But first of all, I, I want to show that um, what was going on in the text, and I won't read it again because we just read it, but I w- will refer to it. That is that, that Jesus is asking them a question, who do you think I am? Who do you think I am? And, and uh, we, we keep in mind this fact, and th- this fact is that Jesus never referred to himself as Christ. And he never referred to himself as the Son of God. He always spoke of himself, almost always, in the third person. He called himself the Son of Man. So this is the question he's asked, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And so Peter popped up and he said, well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He, uh, he then, let's see if we get this, he is asking the question, who am I? Who, who do you think I am? He was the Son of God, and uh, it, seems to, it seems to us that uh, as we read the New Testament, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as you're reading about Jesus, uh, that, that some people recognized him and some did not. As a matter of fact, Peter's not the first one that said that he was the Son of God in the New Testament. Uh, Nathaniel said it. You remember in John chapter 1, a couple of fellows were walking along with with John the Baptist and they saw Jesus and they went to him and said they wanted to find out what he was doing what he was saying and so they followed him for a while and one of them was Andrew Peter's brother and he went and got Peter and he said said, we found we uh, we want you to come find the Christ we found him and uh, when when he introduced his brother Peter to Jesus Jesus Gave him a new name. That wasn't Peter's name. Peter's name was Simon, the son of Barjona, or Barjona, Simon, son of Jonah. Barjona means son of Jonah. So Jesus called him Peter at that point. He he gave him another name. And then, uh, then Philip said, well, I I want you to, I, I want someone else to meet you. And so he went and found his brother, Nathaniel. And he told Nathaniel that he had found the Son of God. And that was not the Son of God. He said he found the Christ. And then when Jesus came to Nathaniel, Nathaniel said that he was the Son of God. Now, Nathaniel is probably the first one in the New Testament in its sequence of events that actually said, you're the Son of God. And then on another occasion, Luke chapter 4, when Jesus preached the first time in his hometown, Nazareth, when he was preaching the first time, when he left, he went out and continued to speak to the people. And while he was speaking to the people, they decided they'd throw him over a cliff because they didn't like what he was saying. And he passed through the midst of them. And then right after that, he healed some people. And in healing them, uh, he was casting out demons. And when he cast out a demon, and this is in Luke chapter 4, when he cast out the demons, they said, we know who you are. You son of God. You're the son of God. You're the Christ. The devil said they knew him. 
And then if you recall, as we move on down through the sequence of the life of Jesus, in John chapter 4, Jesus met a woman by a well, the woman of Samaria, and he asked her for some water. And she said, are you, you're a Jew. Why would you ask me a Samaritan for water? The Jews won't have anything to do with us. Anyway, as he began to talk to her, and he told her some things that she would not have, he would not have known otherwise. And uh, she went into town and she said, you know what? I have found the Son of God. So you have some people before, you have th- at least three occasions, where people said that he was a Son of God. But on this occasion... When Jesus asked Peter, who do men say that I am? Generally speaking, now, And so Peter gave him three, three options. Then he said, then Jesus said, but who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Son of God. You are the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus' response was, he said, he said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Now we need to find out, we need to figure out how Simon came to that conclusion. How did Peter get to that conclusion? Well, he had to get to the conclusion when he said that flesh and blood had not shown him that. That meant that no one had taught him that he knew. People had not come up to him and said, Hey, Peter, this is the Son of God. It wasn't any, anything like that. Matter of fact, the way... He had learned it was because he knew the scriptures. John 5.39 says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. So what Peter was doing, he was taking the scriptures, and Jesus was making this statement as he moved along and saying, I am fulfilling these scriptures. So what Peter was doing, and the other apostles, they were making, they were drawing the conclusion from the scriptures that Jesus was the Son of God. So it was God revealing it rather than flesh. In other words, you're not going to know that Jesus is the Son of God unless you get into the scriptures. That's very interesting, isn't it? You're not going to know Him. You're not going to know who He is unless you get into the scriptures. Why should I read my Bible? So that you can believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because that's how God is going to tell you that He's the Son of God. He's not going to tell you another way. Flesh and blood is not going to reveal that to you. Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, Jesus said, You do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. The power of God is in the Scriptures. Why? Because the Scriptures tell me who Jesus is. That He is the Son of God. In 1 Corinthians, and this, this continues on, you know, when Jesus came to this earth, he came kind of like some of our, in our thinking, kind of like some of our modern day uh, cartoon characters, or not car- cartoon, but uh, people that are making up stories about super people. What do you call them? I can't recall what you call them. What do you call them, Linda? She doesn't know. Superheroes. <laughs> what are they? Superheroes. Superheroes. Well, so you have you have America, Mr. America, and you have the, the Hulk, and you have all these kind of guys. When Jesus came, you know what he was? He was the mystery man. He was. He was the mystery man. And that's what, that's what uh, Paul called him in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He was the mystery of godliness. Nobody knew who he was. They couldn't figure him out. 
But they did figure him out through the scriptures. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is talking about Jesus and he says, Who knows a man save the spirit of man that is in him? You don't know anybody else. You don't know anyone other than unless you can get in their heart. He says, who knows a man, say the spirit of man that is in him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. But the spirit of God has revealed him unto us by the scriptures. He's been, he's revealing him unto us through the word. So now then, who is Jesus? Peter said, we know who you are. We got you. We know who you are. You're the Christ, the son of God. You know what Jesus said? He said, now I know who you are. Isn't that amazing? That, that's what he's saying, really. Who are the apostles? It's not what just, just Peter. But it's everybody else. He said, and I, I know you too. You are Peter. And upon this rock I'll build my church. Now then, what he's saying is, what Peter's saying is, we know you. And what Jesus is saying is, I know you. Now he knew them. Did Jesus need anybody to tell him who people were? No, as a matter of fact, John chapter 2 verse 25 says, No man needs to testify of men because Jesus knew what was in man. He knows, he knows us. Okay, so nobody had to come up and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to introduce Peter to you. I'm, and I want you, by the way, Bible students and kids, turn to Matthew chapter 10 and the first four verses because I'm going to ask you a question. Just a minute. I don't think, I don't think Jesus is just saying, I, I know you, Peter, only. But he said, I know you, because he was one of twelve, wasn't he? There were twelve. So in, in John chapter 6 at verse 70, Jesus had selected the twelve men that he was going to give some responsibility to. And that responsibility was going to be a, a very serious responsibility. And he said in verse 70, in John 6 at verse 70, he said, Have not I chosen you twelve and one of you is a devil. <coughs> Excuse me. Pardon me just a minute. I need my glasses. Okay. One, he said, I know I've, got, I've chosen 12 and one of you is a devil. So he knew them. He knew who they were. Now then, he's saying, I'm going to give you, he said, he's talking to Peter, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, why would that be that he would give Peter the keys of the kingdom of heaven? If you buy a new car, who are you going to give the keys to? <laughs> some, some teenager jumps up and says, Dad's going to give me the keys. Sure he is. Dad's not going to give you the keys. He doesn't trust you. Who are you going to give the keys to? A stranger? The keys to your house? You're going to give them to your a stranger in, in town? Who are you going to give the keys to? Keys gives you access to power, access to, to things. So he's saying, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. I'm going to give you something that's very, very special. He said, you know why? He says, because I know you. And you are Peter. Peter said, I know you, you're Jesus. And Jesus said, yeah, and I know you, you're Peter. And I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. The point is, it wasn't just Peter that got the keys. It was all the apostles got the keys. All 11 of them. Now then, Matthew chapter 10. I wonder how many kids, I, I know some of you know this, in the song. Who are the, what are the names of the apostles? 
Jesus said, I know you, Peter. I know you. And he also knew James, John, Andrew. Let's name them. That's four. Give me another one. Who's the next one? Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew. James, the son of Bless. Thaddeus. Judas. And Judas Iscariot. You know, we know, we know a few of them, maybe four, and then five, including Judas Iscariot. Jesus said, I know you. And why is he saying that? Because he says, I'm going to give you the keys. Because I know you. Now then, in Matthew chapter 18, if you'd like to turn to that text with me. In Matthew chapter 18, at verse 18, he says, he's talking to the apostles, all of them. He's saying, verily I say unto you, who, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now wait a minute. That's what he told Peter was, he was going to give him. He told Peter the same thing. That's what we were reading in Matthew chapter 16. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now he's telling all twelve of them the same story. He's saying... And again I say unto you, that if any two of you, he's talking to the apostles, we sometimes think this is talking about when we're gathering as a church, but it's not talking about that. It's talking about the apostles. He's saying, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom, and if there's some kind of difference between you, when two of you get together and agree on it, this is right. This will be right. This will be what I'm telling you. Okay, so he said, If any two of you shall agree with touching anything that shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where there are two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So Jesus is in the apostles telling them, giving them the keys of the kingdom, telling them what they can bind and what they can loose. And that's what, it, well, that's what he's telling them. In John chapter 13 and verse 20, he says, Verily I say unto you, He that receives you receives me. He that receives me receives him that sent me. He's talking to the apostles. And in Luke chapter 22 and verse 29, he says, I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father has appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel, because they were revealing the mind and the will of Christ. When Jesus rose from the dead, he took the apostles aside. And at this time, there are just 11 of them. They, they selected another one in Acts chapter 2, or Acts chapter 1. So he, in Matthew chapter 28, he took the apostles and said, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. That's, Matthew, that's Mark 16, 15 and 16. Teach all nations in Matthew 28. Now then, they, he's, he's saying, I know you. I know you. And the apostles should have been saying, and we know you. We know you. Because he's going to give them the keys, they need to know something about him and what he wants and doesn't want. What he accepts and does not accept. He, the, the keys of the kingdom have to do with knowledge. As a matter of fact, there's a couple, there's a couple of texts that talk about this. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 52, it says, Woe unto you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You entered not in yourself, and them that were entering in you hindered. 
So you kept people out of the kingdom. What they were doing was keeping people away from Jesus. Now I'm going to, I'm going to make a point in just a minute that's going, to, that's going to emphasize these particular points. But let's just, let's just assume right now that what Jesus is telling these men is, I'm going to send you into all the world and you're going to unlock some doors. You're going to open something up. What they were going to open up was the kingdom. And he said, whatever you, you tell people they have to do, they should do. And whatever you tell people they don't have to do, they don't have to do. That's what I'm going to give you the, the authority to do. And he's, good, he's going to talk about it in terms of knowledge. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 13, he's talking to the lawyers and he's saying, You have shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer those that are entering to go in. They had taken away the key of knowledge. In other words, they did not want people to know Jesus. Wow. So the keys of the kingdom basically are, is the information about Jesus. They had taken away the key of knowledge. They, they, they had uh, prohibited people from coming into the kingdom by prohibiting them from getting acquainted with Jesus. Bonnie and I, when we first, when I first came back and tried to get right with the Lord and get settled in, I wanted to tell people more about Jesus, and I felt like I, I had uh, failed in that for several years. So we said, "Well, let's let's start a class at home on Wednesday night," which we did. That was a year and a half or so ago. And what I wanted to do was tell people about Jesus. And so sometimes people would say, "Well, what's your class about?" Now I'd say, it's about Jesus. Well, what about Him? Well, the point is, what do you know about Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Or you just know things about Jesus? Now, most of the world knows about Jesus. We know where He was born. We know who His family was. We know what kind of occupation He pursued. We know where He lived. And we know how He died. But how many of us know Jesus? That's the point. Do you know him? Now then, here we're going to come to the major point of this lesson. Jesus looked at Peter and he said, And thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. So some say, well, okay. What is the rock? Upon this rock I'll build my church. Some a major part of Christianity says, well, it was, the, it was the man Peter. Jesus was going to build his church on this fellow. This fellow by the name of Jesus. Going to build it on him. Well, let's take a look at that. Let's look over in Matthew chapter 7. Would you like to look at this with me? The foundation of, of, our, of the church and the foundation of the building of God is Jesus Christ. It can't be anybody else. It has to be Jesus. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. And by the way, I don't want to, I don't want to single out one particular church because there, there are many religious groups that have come along and said, Well, we can build the church on this man or that woman or this doctrine or this theory or this creed or whatever. The only place you can build the church, the only place, and by the, word, the way, the word church means a 
called out. And so it's going to be a community. Jesus said, I'm going to establish, I'm going to build a community. I'm going to build a house like you build a family. So he said, and upon this rock, I will build my church. What rock, Lord? What are you talking about? Well, here it says, he said, uh, many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? In your name have cast out devils? In your name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, wait a minute. Jesus said, I don't know you. They're saying, Lord, we know you. And Jesus is saying, yeah, but I don't know you. Peter said, Lord, we know who you are. And Jesus said, now I know who you are. Now these say, Lord, we know you. And Jesus is saying, I don't know you. Now look at the next verse, verse 24. It says, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken unto him a, a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not because it was founded upon a rock. Then the foolish man built his house on the sand. He's talking about building your life on a foundation. Now what is the foundation of the church? Well, we say, okay, it's, it's Jesus. Well, sure it's Jesus. And as a matter of fact, we can read several texts in the New Testament that talk about him being not only the foundation, he's the foundation stone. He's the very, very beginning of it. In Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, it says, Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believes shall not make haste. So I think we'd all agree right now that Jesus was that rock. He mentioned it also in Matthew 21, 42, when he quoted this text, applied it to himself. And then in uh, in First Corinthians chapter ten at verse four it says the spiritual rock that followed him that rock was Christ Jesus was the cornerstone he is the foundation and Paul said other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid which is Christ Jesus the Lord now what is he talking about when he says thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church here's the rock. Peter said, we know you. And Jesus said, and I know you. That, my friend, is the foundation of a relationship with God. That's the foundation. He knows you. You know him. And that's what you build your life on. The relationship you have with Jesus Christ. He brings you into his family. You become part of his domain. And now the relationship is, we know each other. Well, this, this jumps up all through the New Testament, as a matter of fact. It, and we find this, this almost everywhere. You know, when, when Paul was in Philippians chapter 3, he was, he was going on how, how much he had given up in his life. And he said, I've, I've suffered the loss of all things for the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. He said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, so that I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He said, I want to know him. If, my friend, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're on, a, you're on the sand. You're not on the rock. You have to know him. Amen. You know, what, it's an exciting thing to me that when we, when we talk about Jesus and what he did, of course, 
when he died on the, on the cross of Calvary, he came back and for 40 days he talked to his, his disciples uh, with, that, with the exception of Judas. He was gone. And so at the end of that 40 days, and the account that is given to us in Acts chapter uh, 1, at the end of 40 days, Peter stood up and he said, you know, we're missing a fella. We need to, we need to fill Judas's office. And so they elected another fellow by the name of Matthias to become one of the twelve. These are the twelve apostles who would sit upon the throne judging the twelve tribes of Israel because they were, being, they were teaching about Jesus Christ. But the foundation that we build on, that we put our life on, is our knowledge of Jesus Christ and His knowledge of us. He knows us. We know Him. Bonnie and, I, we, Bonnie and I got married when I was 18. She was 18 also, by the way. She's not younger, not much younger than me. 18 years old. I'd left home, gone to California, and come back to get my, my sweetheart. And I, I, I know that my father-in-law did not like me. <laughs> at all. But you were I, I was 18. I was taking his daughter to California from Texas. Well... The thing is, Bonnie kept telling him, Dad, you, you just don't know him. And he didn't. I don't know if we ever found out about him, about me. He didn't know me. But isn't that something? If you, you, unless you know someone. Now, I'm, I'm going to talk freely. I don't think we have anybody here that wants to get married. But uh, <laughs> some of you might. Some of you, we have kids that want to get married. The, the major thing we need to tell our children is, before you marry someone... Get to know them. You've got to know them. And you need to know something about their family. You need to know something about their background. You've got to know them. How do we, what do we know about Jesus? What do these men know about Jesus? Well, they knew that he was coming in, in, in the fulfillment of the scriptures. They knew that, didn't they? They knew the scriptures and they also became acquainted with him, didn't they? What do you know about him? Is, what do you know about the person that you want to enter into a lifelong, eternal relationship with? What do you know about them? Are they petulant? Uh, do they lose their temper easily? Do they care about other people? Are they selfish? Are they, are they nice folks? Do they care about you? Do they... Are they empathetic? What did these people know about Jesus? Well, they knew him. And as a matter of fact, one of them finally said, Jesus said uh, to him, and Philip, Philip said, you know, it would, it would do us good if we just knew something about the Father. And Jesus said, have I been a long time with you that you don't know me, Philip? Do you know Jesus? Do you really know Jesus? I'll tell you what, he knows you. And when we get into this relationship, like I was going to tell you about my father-in-law and myself, he was a good man. And I, I thought he was a good man. He was. So I didn't have any worries about him. But he didn't know much about me. When we get into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he's good. He's good. And there's nothing wrong with him. And as I read my New Testament, I, I become more and more in love with him because I see what kind of man he was and what kind of God controls me because he represented the Father. I know him. But then look at, look at poor old Bill. Why would he ever want to be in a relationship with me? Why would he ever want me in his kingdom? And so the only way I get in is through his grace. 
because he loves me. He's going to overlook all of my faults. He's going to accept me anyway. Once I believe in him, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 says, He that confesses me before my father, before men, him will I confess before my father which is in heaven. So, in the book of Revelation, in chapter 2, we have a, in verse 7 through 13, I believe it is, the church at Philadelphia, Jesus was talking, or John was talking about the church at Philadelphia, and they were doing some pretty good things. And you know what, what, uh, what came up with the fact that they were faithful to God? He said, I, I'm going I'm to write my name on you. I'm going to claim you. When a person creates something, you know what they do? If, they, if it's a Monet, he'll sign his name at the bottom of the picture. So you'll know that he created this. Here's a person that, that creates a skyscraper, an architect. He'll put his name on that. Here's a person who writes a book. They'll put their name on the book. Whatever we have that belongs to us, we'll put our name on it, won't we? And if we do something good, we want people to know it's ours. We'll, most of the time, we'll put our name on it. Jesus, I, Jesus said, I love you. I'm going to put my name on you. And I'm going to put the name of my city on you. And I'm even going to put God's name on you. Because you belong to me. Why? Because we are built on the foundation, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Because we have that, we're on that rock. I know you. I know who Jesus is. And you know what? Jesus knows who I am. Amen. And upon that rock, Jesus built his church on the fact that I know him and he knows me. You need to get to know Jesus because he knows you. And you want him to know you and recognize you in the day of judgment. Get to know him. Let us help you do that. Let's stand together and sing the song of invitation.